What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. To my successor, whoever he or she may be. Number one, stay close to the Americans, stick up for the Ukrainians, stick up for freedom and democracy everywhere. Politics in general has taken total leave of its senses. Changing one man at the top of the Tory party won't make any difference. It won't fix the problems. Let's have a fresh start for Britain. Let's have a real change of government. You're listening to Bloomberg Westminster, your daily guide to British politics. I'm Stephen Carroll. And I'm Caroline Hepke. Coming up on today's programme, polling guru, Conservative grandee and peer, Lord Robert Hayward will be joining us. And we'll also speak to the assistant editor for The Spectator and author, Isabel Hardman. She joins us to discuss the Conservative leadership race as well. Well, first of all, Rishi Sunak, he admitted that he was behind in last night's hustings. Stephen, I wonder whether you've ever had that sort of sinking feeling (laughs) that nothing's really going your way. I mean... Feels, it feels a bit like, is it occasionally on this programme? No? Possibly. Uh, you picked no. last in sports. I mean, what's I mean, the analogy always, here? I mean, but that's a whole other story. Um, I think that there, there's that moment that, you know, when you're watching someone make a speech and you kind of think, oh, no, no, they're losing the room. I go to a lot of weddings and I feel like there's that moment of like the bad best man speech where you've just sort of thought, oh, no, this is, this is you, you're speaking to the wrong audience. You're not quite capturing how people are feeling and not reading the emotion in the room. You'd make you worry about trying stand-up, though, wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Well, does Rishi Sunak have that feeling? Possibly. Pundits are saying that it's sort of now or never for his campaign uh, to become leader. And polls continue to show him really lagging behind. Last night's hustings also didn't really particularly go his way. No, certainly not. A big win, though, for the Foreign Secretary, Ben Wallace, Cabinet Minister and Conservative grassroots favourite, endorsing uh, Liz Truss's uh, campaign this morning. She's actually incredibly experienced in government. She is the only candidate that did nearly two years in the Treasury as the Chief Secretary of the Treasury. That's the the number two position. She was then international trade, and now she's been Foreign Secretary. That's a broad experience that I'm afraid Rishi doesn't have. That's Ben Wallace there supporting Liz Truss in her campaign for the Tory leadership. OK, well, let's get the view now of one Tory party grandee. Lord Hayward is with us. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, for some of our listeners then, uh, who want to go through some of your long list of accomplishments, an expert pollster successfully predicting the mood of the country in the 1991 Conservative victory in the 2015 election, the Brexit referendum, even the number of MPs not supporting Margaret Thatcher in her leadership election. You've also served as a Conservative MP and you're now sitting in the House of Lords, of course. So in amongst, you know, all of that experience, I suppose, you're pretty well placed to understand these two leadership candidates. Who do you think is the person that will end up winning? Who's the best person to win? Uh, Can I emphasise that I didn't write that intro? I'm flattered by it and thank you very (laughs) much. (laughs) But um, coming more seriously to the the subject as such in terms of the leadership election, I think the opinion polls, particularly YouGov, who have a history of monitoring uh, Tory party members, their polls will be relatively close. And that shows uh, that the Liz Truss is in the lead, although the lead has been diminishing somewhat 
if you look at different polls. Last night, the first big hustings of Tory party members in Leeds. Liz Truss started off the hustings a week and a half ago in terms of in front of television audiences and the like, very wooden. What was striking last night is that she has made substantial progress. Mm. Um, she wasn't wooden, and therefore she beat her expectations. Uh, Rishi Sunak was very good, but may have been addressing the wrong audience. He almost was talking beyond the Conservative members, whereas Liz Trust spoke to the members very well, and they are the people with the votes. But are they are they going to really listen to what Liz Truss and Rishi Sunak are saying in all of these events? There's now been so many of them between televised debates and now, of course, into the hustings. Have people made up their minds already, do you think? No, I think the clear indication is that they haven't. Um, broadcasters were interviewing people as they went into the hustings last night, and large numbers of them were saying, we haven't decided. And I think that's partly a reflection that Boris Johnson has so dominated British politics for the last few years as an individual, even though both Liz Truss and Rishi Sunak have held major offices of state, the Tory party members, let alone the public at large, in terms of opinion polls, are clearly undecided and only now beginning to make their minds up. Um, Boris Johnson, though, is surely going to be sort of on the sidelines kind of commenting whoever becomes leader. Do you, you, know, do you think that his... Has he clearly uh, supported Liz Truss, do you think? Is that what is happening kind of behind the scenes? Um, you know, a lot, a lot uh, has been made of the kind of split and the rancour between Boris Johnson and Rishi Sunak. Does that influence people's vote? I think it does. There were questions last night, a direct question to Rishi Sunak about him having stabbed Boris Johnson. Um, and therefore, there are there is a group of Johnson loyalists within Tory party members, and they're the ones who have the vote, who uh, will say, well, you were the person who done him in, and therefore there is that rancour. And Boris has not been that subtle with one or two of his asides uh, aimed at Rishi. And if one goes back to the first cabinet he formed after he became leader, what did you see? but every single person in that cabinet was a, a Johnson loyalist par excellence. Not a Brexit loyalist, but a Johnson loyalist. Penny Morden was one of the people who lost out as a result of that. And therefore, yes, he will continue to feel uh, an element of uh, dissatisfaction and will continue the, the jibes and the asides. Is that bad news for the Tory party? Uh, it's problematic. Some of the Tory leaders over years have gone gracefully, others slightly less gracefully. Um, and sadly, I'm old enough to remember people like Ted Heath being very bitter about his departure. The next two years before a general election probably leaves the opportunity for many wounds to heal. But there still will be the odd wound. Issues will be much more important than what's been said in mm. leadership elections in August 2022. I mean, it's quite incredible, the challenges, isn't it, that the Prime Minister and the countries have faced over the last two years, you know, pandemic, then a war on European soil. Now the cost of living crisis with sort of surging energy prices. I mean, what on the kind of substantive issues? We've heard a fair bit about taxes. Liz Trust wants to cut straight away, Sunak less so. I mean, Sunak's almost kind of running on his on his uh, economic policy that, that was implemented. And the cost of living crisis, they're going to have to deal with that quickly. What should they be doing?
doing? I think the last night it was striking that that Rishi Sunak was very much this is what I've done this is how I deal with it this is I've dealt with it this is how I perceive the problems to be um, for the future in the case of Liz Truss the thing that worried me most about her performance last night was not only has she made a commitment in relation to tax cuts but in answering Tory members in the audience there were a number of other financial commitments that she made which probably added to the tax burden quite markedly um, but the policy is set for one or the other now um, and we've got the announcement and the clarification in relation to the financial assistance that is being paid to the individuals and this is one of the things that I think Rishi has failed to get across is people actually do not know what money they're going to get back over the next few weeks they just haven't realized it it's interesting to see whether or not that will influence how people make their decisions on this as well. One issue that, that does keep coming up that I wanted to ask you about, you you were on the board of Stonewall for many years. It came up last night again, the issue of trans rights, self-identification. Is this really an important issue for the Conservative Party? You know, we're talking about a very small number of people here. No, I think... You saw not only that, but animal rights came up and one or two other things that are side issues. Um, They're not side issues to the people for whom it matters, Um, but it came up. uh, I think that was one thing where Liz Truss played very strongly to the audience and got a very good response. But there will be things that matter to certain groups of people. uh, And if they come up in in a meeting like that, then so be it. I've chaired lots of Tory selection meetings. Most of the questions will be on what you regard as the key issues, whether they're the economy or the environment or security or whatever. But there are inevitably issues that matter to certain people. And it's right that they should have the opportunity to raise those questions. Yes, but Boris Johnson is well known for using these, um, you know, these lightning rod issues, these these divisive issues, um, you know, when, when speaking publicly. I mean, is the Conservative party going to move on from um you know the, these uh kind of personal issues using them um yeah I, I think i think boris johnson could be said to have used them in, in a political sense is is that going to be something that the conservative party moves away from no i think those those issues do matter to certain people but i i made comment just now that because we're one and a half two years away from an, from an election the main issues for people's life which is the funding of the nhs the operation of the nhs as it recovers post covid uh, financial circumstances of every family in the country these sorts of things will dominate the issues uh, that are raised in debates in Parliament, in questions on television and radio programmes. But there will, and there should be, the opportunity for small, lesser issues, ones that are of importance to smaller groups of people, there should be that opportunity for those to be raised as well. Do you think that this is races rattling towards a foregone conclusion? No, I don't. Uh, I, I think... There's no question, I referred earlier on to the opinion polls, which show Liz Truss being in the lead. I think uh, Rishi has recovered somewhat. If one looks, for example, at the latest YouGov poll, swing voters very clearly pro-Boris. And when I define swing voters, they're ones in YouGov polling that have 
voted Conservative in 2019 mm. and now looking to vote Labour at the next election. Very clear lead in favour of Rishi Sunak, the possibility of bringing those people back into the Conservative fold. And therefore, okay. uh, it's not a given, but uh, I would say that Liz Truss is in the lead. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. So Britain's political future hinges on a relatively small group of people, the roughly 175,000 Conservative Party members. But what are they looking for in a leader? Well, someone who was there in Leeds at the hostings last night, our reporter Joe Mays. Joe, great to speak to you this morning. Just first of all, what were the hostings like? Well, it was an interesting atmosphere where clearly the candidates were trying to kind of appeal to the base as best they could. And quite frankly, Liz Truss, I think, did that more effectively. She got more applause through the night. Every time she came out with a kind of clear conservative policy, she got she got clapped, whereas Sunak didn't seem to connect in the same way. I would say he was a bit too, uh, too much acting as if he's still in government rather than someone who's campaigning to become prime minister. Um, but yes, it was, it was a very interesting atmosphere. A lot of undecided voters. Uh, in that room, you know, quite evenly split Sunak and Trust. But I think Trust edged it, edged it on the night. Joe, we, we can hear behind you, you are giving us the true on-the-road experience as you travel to the, as you're on your way back from those hustings in, in Leeds. I'm, I'm wondering what was the atmosphere like in the room? Like, the, I'm wondering what the sort of people that go to an event like this, what did you learn from those that you spoke to? Yeah, I mean, it's predominantly older crowds, many of them who've perhaps stood as conservative councillors in their area, a lot of business people, those who are, you know, signed up truly to the conservative ideology of you know, hard work and aspiration being what gets, gets you ahead in life. So it, it's that kind, of, that kind of room. And, you know, there were MPs there. There were the campaign staff on both sides there uh, kind of dotted around the room. But it was really about, you know, could you, could you convince that, that those, those core party members that uh, you're the right person for prime minister? And I, I think I said that that connection I think Trust had with the crowd was, was stronger than stronger than Sunak. Okay, so what about the policy issues that emerged? I mean, we had discussion of powerhouse rail, of greenbelt building. Have the promises been costed? What do we know about policy? Yeah, so Liz Truss, as you say, had that very clear commitment to building northern powerhouse rail, which was a commitment that Boris Johnson stepped away from in November uh, to some controversy. We had, you know, uh, lots of policies discussed last night. We had Rishi Sunak saying he would back grammar school. You had Liz Truss saying that she would look again at inheritance tax as part of a wider review of the tax system. We had Liz Truss saying that schools should have clear boys and girls toilets. You know, all sorts of issues were coming up last night. And um, I think what it really came down to, though, was the, the authenticity of the candidates in which them both came across as a kind of a real conservative prime minister in waiting. And, that, and that's where I think Truss ha- had the edge on the night. Was Boris Johnson the, the elephant in the room or the elephant rather not in the room in this case? Yeah, no, he was directly talked about. And indeed, a, a striking moment where an audience member basically said to Rishi Sunak that he had stabbed Boris Johnson in the back. And there was a bit of clapping at that point. And indeed, when uh, the moderator said that 
Boris Johnson should perhaps be on the ballot in this leadership contest as there's a petition for. Again, there was some clapping. So there's clearly, you know, there's still a lot of love for Boris Johnson amongst that party base. And Liz Truss very pointedly spoke very favourably of Boris Johnson and was saying how he's been a good prime minister and had delivered on Brexit and, and Ukraine and, and the vaccine. And that's clearly a very popular message in that room. I think it hurts Sunak that he's seen as more of the traitor, effectively, when it comes to Johnson's downfall. Yeah, even though I, I think that, you know, at that moment of Johnson going, that, that's what a lot of uh, MPs in the Cabinet, you know, seem to be concerned about. Uh, look, Rishi Sunak's going to face another really difficult um, audience, isn't he? Uh, Andrew Neil tonight, Channel 4, uh, the broadcaster's... Yeah, usually pretty hard hitting. Liz Truss has declined to be interviewed by Andrew Neil. Boris Johnson also refused, of course, to be interviewed by Neil uh, in the 2019 general election. So, sort of a word on what comes next. I mean, in a way, it's quite uh, weird that or that, that there are a dozen hustings. They're all being filmed. They're suddenly kind of part of the national conversation in a way that they really weren't before. Yes, and it was striking how Liz Truss really relaxed last night amongst her own supporters, more so than she does in media interviews. I think that it, it makes sense for her not to Andrew Neil, who's a very hostile interrogator who is known to kind of put politicians under a lot of pressure, and Truss historically hasn't responded too well to that. And she knows that, but that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what Andrew Neil thinks, or indeed the country. What really matters is those members in those hustings where... Like I said, she had a kind of natural connection with them last night. She'll be hoping to continue that at the Hustings coming up. I think Richie needs to do quite a bit of work to, to reformulate his stump pitch to, to kind of appeal more to that, that core Tory base. OK, Joe Mays giving true meaning to the term roving reporter joining us from Leeds train station after last night's uh, Hustings there. Of course, plenty more for these candidates to go. There's a lot of road left on this campaign yet. Poster votes go out next week. Yep, absolutely. Well, the UK's biggest corporate lender, NatWest, published its earnings for the second quarter today. One reason why it matters to us in Westminster, almost half of the lender is still owned by the government. Chief Financial Officer Katie Murray joined us on Bloomberg Radio to discuss the state of the UK consumer, recession risks in Britain and how much pandemic-era loans to businesses are now costing the government. Rising interest rates are obviously positive for banking balance sheets. You can see that in the strength of the income growth that we're seeing and also the enhanced guidance we've given. But importantly for us, it's not just rising income, uh, rising interest rates that's delivering that change. It's also the underlying growth we're seeing in the in the markets uh, and and also um, our real cost constraints into making sure that we're hitting those that 3% target that we have for the year. All of those things together is what enable us to deliver the roti we've printed this morning of 13.1%. Thank you so much for being with us, Katie. It's great to speak to you. The cost of living crisis is the other issue that is significant for the UK. The US sees a second quarter of contraction. The UK may go into recession too. What are you seeing in terms of customer behaviour? Are they spending more on credit cards? What's happening? No, it's really it's really interesting what we're seeing just now. So yes, credit and debit card spend is up. But then you need to look below that and say, what are they spending money on? And what we see is a lot of so travel, um, eating out, discretionary spend. We're not seeing spend on basics go up. In fact, the spend on um, the, the spend on groceries and things is, is slightly down, which is not completely surprising given that a year ago we were all at home. So things so that you'd expect that to come down. But overall, spend is up. You can see we've had good growth in our own own credit card card book up 500 million, which is the biggest growth that we've seen since pre pre pandemic. But importantly, they're still paying it down, and deposits have also grown. Um, Across the across the retail and commercial business by 14 billion pounds, slightly slower growth than we'd seen 
in in the retail space, but still still growing. But at the same time, we know our customers are struggling and we're working hard to make sure that they're ready for what I think will be harder times to come in the second half when we see those energy rises come through. But in reality, at the moment, as I look at the numbers, mm. they're really strong, which has led to our small release um, on our impairment provisions as well. Really are you, strengthening am, the, that strength of balance sheet. Okay. Are you not concerned that the resilience is going to get hit quite badly in the second half of the year? How harsh is that pivot going to be, do you think? Because certainly consumer confidence figures are rock bottom. No, look, we are we are concerned and we've made some we're basically focused on preparing for the future. So when you look at the impairment provisions we have, what we did is we released quite a lot of provisions that were in relation to COVID, which we didn't need, but then we've added some extra ones on in terms of um cost of living and supply chain issues. We've also done things like establish a hardship fund and um, for our customers, we've put some specialized lending in for agriculture, we've frozen the fees for our SME customers. So a lot of preparation for it to come. I think the thing we look at most is though is the level of unemployment. And when I look at that 3.8% and we look at our economics going out, that number is not deteriorating significantly. And that's the thing I think that gives us a bit of support in the background. What sort of demand are you anticipating for your hardship fund? How large will that be? It's a four million pound fund. We'll work with our our our, our, our providers um, in terms of helping to deliver that. Uh, Katie, I wanted to ask you about the pandemic loans program. We have figures from the UK government that it's paid out almost half a billion pounds to cover losses on government guaranteed loan programs during the pandemic. How much has NatWest reported in losses from those loans? So, if you look at um, within our, our our guidance, obviously the because of the way of the guarantee, the guarantee works, we don't we don't report those losses. But what we can see is that you know 84% of the loans are absolutely up to date they're um they're delivering on what they what they should be doing in terms of their payback and then the balancing amount people might have extended their terms or changed some of their terms so at the moment we're actually been really pleased at the level of repayment that we've had from our customer base and remember at the time we lent to our customer base so we knew them we know their credit worthiness and they were able to also work with them very well as they they support that and importantly as well a lot of these people have associated borrowings they already have, and we see good performance in those borrowings as well. So at the moment, we would say, actually, we're pleased with the performance that we've seen in the loans that we granted under that scheme to our customers. How does that percentage rate compare to general business loans and, and you know, delays in payments you'd have more broadly? It, it, there wouldn't be a, a particular particular movement when you when I look at the, the the bounce back loans and then the kind of associated debt bounce backs would be slightly higher, but it's not it's not a particular differentiating number. Um, for other banks, it's reportedly as high as twenty five percent in terms of default. Would that be similar at all for you? No, no. I mean, we're look eighty four percent are paying mm. beautifully at the at the moment, absolutely on time, and of of the balance of the sixteen percent, most of them are continuing. Uh, to make payments or they've extended their terms that we're working out on different arrangements with them. So there is some level, but it, we're nowhere near those those kind of percentages. That 84% absolutely committed to the delivery of it is, is, um, is something we're very pleased to see. Bloomberg Westminster. Listen weekdays at noon on DAB Digital Radio in London. What could you do if your data was working for you? and not against you. With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. 
Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more.